Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine Podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Our theme for this April 2015 episode is Source Citations Made Easy. First, we will start off by checking the news from the blogosphere with the genealogy insider blogger, Diane Haddad, who's going to be here to share her eight simple tips for genealogy source citations. And then we'll jump right into our top tips segment. Diane's going to stay with us to talk about citing sources in your genealogy software. And those tips come from the May-June 2015 issue of the magazine. In our 101 Best Website segment, I'm going to be digging into worldcat.org, where you can find new sources and use their free citation tool. Then, Family Tree University instructor Shannon Combs Bennett will be here to share tips from her latest course, Source Citations for Real People. And finally, we will check in with the publisher, Allison Dolan, who will share strategies from a source citation cheat sheet that can make the job of citing your sources so much easier. There is a lot of source citation to do, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the news from the blogosphere with Diane Haddad. Okay, well, we're going to kick off this April 2015 episode, and our theme is Source Citation Made Easy. How does that sound? Let's um, start off at the blogosphere, at the Genealogy Insider blog with Diane Haddad. Hi, Diane. Hi, Lisa. Okay, we already liked the idea uh, and the sound of making source citations easy. <laughs> and yes, I noticed I that um, just the other, what yesterday you um, posted an article, eight simple tips for genealogy source citations. So I like the sound of that. Tell us what you have in mind here. Sure. Well, this blog post grew out of a virtual conference chat. We had Family Tree University's virtual conference a couple weeks ago, and one of our live chats focused on source citations. So people have um, great tips that they were sharing, as well as our moderator, Shannon Combs-Bennett. So I just wanted to share those with some of the blog readers and also with the podcast listeners. Well, what we started with was what should you cite? And basically, Anything that you find in your research, a birth date, a death date, a family relationship, a place, um, every name, date, place, and relationship would be labeled with where that piece of information came from. Right. And, of course, that's key because we need to know in looking back at it, was this a primary source? Was it a secondary source? Did some, was it hearsay? You know, um, right. that type of thing. So it really what it kind of helps us wait uh, give weight mm-hmm. to the source itself so we know if we've got to kind of continue to pursue them. So everything gets cited. Yes, everything does. <laughs> and one thing to make that easier um, is for people to look at sources that they commonly use. So, for example, in my research, I use an online database of these index cards that recorded early births and deaths in the Cincinnati area, and that's online, and Mm -hmm. um, I use that a lot because I have a lot of family here, and so I can go um, find a birth date that I found in that source and create a citation for it, and then copy that citation onto a document and do the same thing with other sources I often use. So then I'll have a set of templates that... I can use quickly every time I want to create 
a, a source citation for that database or for um, if I use newspapers.com quite a bit. So I should create a citation for um, the Cincinnati Enquirer database on newspapers.com. Oh, that's a great idea. You know, why reinvent the wheel every time? I mean, right. it, that in itself is going to speed it up, the, pro- the process of uh, citing our sources. That's a great idea. Yeah. Make it easier for yourself. Yeah. And something else that I learned that was a little bit surprising is that people tend to use more than one method of organizing their sources. So maybe someone has genealogy software, and then they also keep a separate spreadsheet of their source citations and where what information they took from that source. And then also you can have a column for a link to the actual digital image on your computer. So that's two ways of keeping sources organized. Some people will use Evernote and they'll create a, a note with the record image and then include the citation, the textual citation in that note. Now, I know in, a, in just a short while, we're going to be talking again in the top tips segment uh, about how our software can help us with our source citation. Did they talk a little bit about in this discussion why they did the additional, you know, the other types of, or like an Excel spreadsheet? Um, why do what might look like a duplication? There must have been some thought there. Right, a little bit. Um I think just because people have so many different types of records, they might have paper records. Um, Some of them are attached to an online tree or part of their genealogy program. So having a spreadsheet is kind of one place to keep everything. In some cases, someone might start the spreadsheet first, and then they say, oh, I'm going to use this um, Family Tree Maker software. And so they'll want they'll continue the spreadsheet because that's part of their genealogy process or maybe there are people who don't use software or um you know they're paper researchers so that's one way that they can keep everything straight and you know as i kind of travel the country and speak to groups i find that there are still lots of people who really are um still Mm -hmm. working in paper which is fine uh, right. as as we all know it's it's about consistency you know so mm-hmm. that it's not kind of spread all over the the place but that you've got a consistent method so i like the idea that uh, it kind of reinforces that there's there's no wrong way or right way um i would would you agree that consistency is really a key there yes it is definitely yeah. and um I like to, and several other people in the chat also do, put the citation on the actual record, whether it's a digital file or a paper file. And that way, there's one place that <laughs> you're always going to know. You cannot separate that citation from that record. You'll always know where it came from. Ah, perfect idea. And, you know, that might be a reason where we would um, duplicate some effort in terms of, let's say, um, clipping with Evernote. You know, if you're printing a document off of a website and uh, you clip that source citation that's printed right on the screen, what then you can just tuck it in with the paper copy that you're mm-hmm. saving as well. I like Definitely. that idea. Yep, keep them together. One thing that someone asked about was how do you incorporate information about the reliability of a source, which mm-hmm. software will let you do. In most source management systems, there's an area where you can write about the provenance, say it's um, an oral history you can make notes about that. And then if you're doing any kind of family history narrative, when you create your citation, you can add information about um, if it was an oral history, the age of the person, or, you know, whether 
what their memory is like at that point, because that might become mm-hmm. important when people are considering what that person said in the oral history. I like that. It kind of takes the source citation to the next level, and it mm-hmm. adds your experience and expertise um, and perception of that mm-hmm. source and the context of it into the citation. Wow. Can you imagine how grateful our descendants will be when we, they come across source citations like that and have mm-hmm. all that kind of extra, those extra nuggets? Right. And we had, um, especially if people are new at citing sources, and it's, I mean, it's, it can be scary even if you're not new at citing sources. Yeah. But the most important thing is to get down the information about the source and keep it with that record or that, that piece of information. Then you can th- you can look at your formats and how the source citation should be written and arranged. That could be a secondary focus. Getting that information about the source is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, this is a great article and a, and a nice summary. It sounds like it was a, a very productive conversation. It certainly goes to show that getting a bunch of genealogists together and having those discussions, so much great insight comes out of discussions like that. It's it's well worth the time and effort. You can check out the summary of the discussion and all the great tips and uh, ideas that came out of it in her blog post. It was published on March 23rd, 2015. It's called Eight Simple Tips for Genealogy Source Citations, and we will have a link to it in the show notes. Thanks, Diane. We're going to talk to you uh, coming up next in our top tips segment to talk even more source citation. Sounds great. Source citations have an intimidating reputation as difficult to write and organize. Fortunately, these days, genealogy software helps you do both. So here to talk about genealogy software source citation is the editor of the article, Citation Elation. It'll be in the May-June 2015 issue of the magazine. And that's Diane Haddad. Welcome back, Diane. Hi, thank you. You know, when somebody first starts um, researching their family history, there always comes a point when they discover that they need to be citing their sources. And oh, I, it's so painful to hear when that doesn't happen for years and until years down the road. Hopefully, it happens really early, and they mm-hmm. start doing it right away. And of course, nowadays, um, that software that we have makes it so much simpler. And, and that's due to a source management system. Talk to us a little bit about how our software can kind of help us with this task. Right. Well, each of the major genealogy programs in the article we covered, Family Tree Maker, Legacy Family Tree, and Roots Magic, and each of those has a way to help people create and organize their source citations. The challenge is not only writing them, but also keeping each citation with the bit of information that you're citing. So what they do is you can create sources. So anytime you use a microfilm or, you know, a certain online database, you can save information about that as a source. And then each time you find a piece of information from that same source, you would create a citation. And the software will automatically include that source information in the new citation that you create. Which is really nice because it's it's sort of, you know, semi-automating the process, but we right. still have to go back and look at it 
and make sure that it's correct, right? Right. Each of the programs uses templates, so a template for a census or citation or a cemetery inscription. And you can choose which template you want to use. Some of them have more templates or more flexible templates than others. So you want to look at the resulting citation and make sure that it includes all the details that it should include. So it still does pay off for genealogists to be familiar with evidence explained and the standards for citing genealogy sources. And talk a little bit about um, that book, because that's really the gold standard in terms of what all of us kind of look to to base our citations on, and it helps keep things consistent. You know, I, I, it's funny, we, we think about, well, I know what this means. But of course, we have to be thinking about generations down the road. And this consistency mm-hmm. really does pay off, doesn't it? Right. And the book Evidence Explained, it's the source citation Bible. Um, and there's actually a little inside joke in this article that we're talking yeah. about. There's <laughs> I the saw author, it. <laughs> Elizabeth Schoen Mills. She's got a, a little portrait on the wall of the illustration yes. that opens the article. So people who are familiar with Evidence Explained and, and the author will recognize that's her. <laughs> and then our um, the illustration has a genealogist who's, you know, working really hard to get his citations right. Um, so the the book Evidence Explained, it's the standard, and it talks not only about um, the format for your citation, so where you put the publisher information and get the page number and all that. It also talks about analyzing genealogy sources and how to tell which source is more reliable and what you do when you have sources that tell you two different things. So citing your sources is part of the process of analyzing those sources and drawing conclusions that get you as close as you can to the truth about what happened in your ancestors' lives. Exactly. And that's why we as the genealogists always play an important part. So even though the software may be automating our source citations, you know, it really takes us and our brain and our eyes to evaluate them. And I um, I think that that's uh, a critical part. That's a reason we're always going to need the book in conjunction with our software. Now, I know, you know, Rick really goes through in this article and um, goes step by step and kind of dissects each of these software programs. Did you pick up tips and tricks as you were editing the article as to, um, you know, best practices, that type of thing? Sure. One thing is um, consistency is if you're referring to, um, say, a county, you always want to, if you're going to abbreviate county as CO, always abbreviate it. If you're going to spell out the word county, always spell it out. If you use, um, say, a city, a county, a state, and then comma USA, you want to do that every time. And that just helps with consistency. And when you do print out a report, it'll make sure that everything is... um, Again, consistency, that's very important to me as an editor. Yeah. Oh, when I was thinking, you know, when we go through somebody else's work and you see inconsistency there, you know, your first thought is, oh, did they mean something different? You know, because you don't, you have to realize that, uh, wow, you know, CO might mean something different to that person if half the time they're spelling out the word county. And of course, maybe there was no difference, but it does create confusion for the future genealogist. I, I totally agree. Right, right. And that's part of why people cite sources is because you want other people to understand what your what your thought process is and other people to be able to pick up 
and continue the research. Um, you know, a lot of us do want to hand down our genealogy to future family members. So the article has a lot of um, little tips and tricks for each program that I think the listeners will definitely appreciate to make the process a little faster. And I think one thing is to, whatever software you have, just really become familiar with what, how it can help you look, look at the whatever kind of help options there are. The more you do it, the easier and the faster it gets and the less int- intimidating the process of source citation can become. Absolutely. You know, and you're touching on a good point about some of the reasons, particularly for the the newbie. You know, they, they sometimes wonder, why is this so important? You know, and I think mm-hmm. you made a really good point about one reason, you know, something else to be thinking out thinking about is um, down the road, somebody could come to you and say, you know, I totally don't agree with your conclusion. And those mm-hmm. source citations are really going to back you up, you know, and make it possible yeah. to go back and retrieve the correct source so that you can look at that again. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. so many reasons why beyond just the future, you might need those source citations today or in the very near future to kind of um, verify your work. And um, or particularly, we've all run into where something pops up and you realize, uh oh, <laughs> this isn't quite what I thought. And we have to go back through our own sources. So definitely uh-huh. important. And this article is going to help you put it all together. It's called Citation Elation. And it's going to help you um, get the most out of your software, as Diane says, and make sure that uh, everything is lining up correctly so it serves you into the future. Diane, thank you so much. This is great. You're welcome. In this 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment, I want to talk about WorldCat. WorldCat is a tremendous resource. I think we've talked about it here on the show before, and you can find it at worldcat.org. What they're striving to do is kind of be the card catalog of all the libraries of the world. Now, certainly it's not every single library because a library needs to become a member of WorldCat to participate, but I would say the majority of libraries out there uh, seem to be involved. And what that means is, is their card catalogs are joined all together and searchable at worldcat.org. This makes it a tremendous resource for finding genealogical sources. Not too long ago, probably about a year ago, FamilySearch added their entire book catalog to the WorldCat catalog. So you can see that it's a very valuable resource. And when you find items at WorldCat, you're going to want to cite them as sources. And there's a pretty easy way to do that. There's a free tool, the source citation tool. And the key to using it is to have a free account at worldcat.org. Now, a lot of people have used WorldCat in the past, but they've never bothered to actually get an account. But this source citation tool is one of the great reasons to do so. So let's walk through it, both for an individual source that you might be looking to cite or an entire list of sources. We can do this with our source citation tool at WorldCat. Go to worldcat.org and sign up for a free account if you don't already have one, and then sign into your account. Once you're all signed in, then start looking for those genealogical sources that you want to use, books, ebooks, um, all kinds of digital content. Uh, it's amazing the range of resources they have available. Now, once you find a resource, 
you want to be able to cite it. And WorldCat can build this for you. Click the Cite Export link. Currently, you'll find it towards the top of the page, although I have seen it kind of move around the page a little bit as they reformat the website. But you're looking for the Cite Export link. And then you're going to want to select the citation style that you want, like the Chicago style uh, or the MLA. It'll lay out the source citation for you in that correct style. And this is going to generate a citation that you can copy and paste right off of the web page. Just use your cursor to highlight the uh, source citation, and you can do Control-C on your keyboard to copy it to your computer's clipboard, and then do Control-V like Victor to paste it, perhaps into a genealogy database or a Word document. Now, as I mentioned, you can also create multiple source citations all at once by creating a list. And the list feature is really one of the great features of having this free WorldCat account. When you find a resource, you're going to want to move it to a WorldCat list by clicking the Add to List link at the top of that particular resource. This is going to make a small window pop up where you can add your items to an existing list that you've already created, or you can create a brand new list. Then to access your list, again, making sure that you're signed into your account, you're going to hover your mouse over My WorldCat, and then you'll find that at the top of the page of most pages from the menu. And from My WorldCat, you're going to click My Lists. There you can click the Citations View tab. There are a couple of different tabs that are listed for your list. You're going to want to click the Citations View tab. And this is going to show you all of the different items in your list. If you have multiple items in the list, just click the check boxes next to the ones that you want. And then you can sort these into any order that you want. You can sort them by date that you added them, uh, by the original published date, or by the title of the source. Then you're going to, once again, select that desired style of the source citation from the drop-down list. And all of your sources will appear on the screen properly cited in that style. Now you could simply copy the text and you could paste that entire list into another document as we did with the single source citation. But I kind of like exporting the list because that way you're just going to get a list of just the items that you selected with the checkboxes. So click the export button and export just that selected source citation list out to an HTML document, an RTF. Uh, you can export it to EndNote or even easybib.com, which a lot of people like to use for source citations. And there you have it. You have cited a source that you have found in WorldCat by one single item or an entire list of sources. This way you've captured all that really important information. And if you want to learn more about the various citation styles that are provided by WorldCat, scroll down to the bottom of your list and click the style links, and you can learn more about those there. So there you have it, worldcat.org, a free resource for finding genealogical sources all over the world, and their source citation tool that's part of your free WorldCat account.
source citations can strike fear at times into the hearts of genealogists. You know, they know that they need to be citing their sources, and yet the thought of creating one from scratch can be a bit intimidating. Well, I've invited Shannon Combs Bennett. She's the instructor of the Source Citations for Real People course at Family Tree University to the show to help calm the anxiety and give us some tips for some great source citation. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming back. You know, we had you on last month, and this is a whole new topic. But in this episode, we've been talking about source citation. And about. I'd love to have you kind of start us off by giving us first your thoughts on the importance of citing our sources. Well, citing your sources is, to me, one of the crucial parts of being a good researcher and a good genealogist. I have to admit, for a very, very long time, creating or even the thought of creating a source citation seemed daunting and it was like that impossible wall you have to scale and where do you start but the key is to start and to keep going because it's kind of like a breadcrumb trail back to your source you want to be able to lead other people back to the record that you found with the genealogical information on it. So by creating a good source citation, you can think of it as this trail that's going to lead you, because someday you might forget where you got that source. I know Mm -hmm. I do still. Um, But it can also lead future researchers, relatives, family members, friends, anybody who sees your work in the future back. And then that leads credibility to your research because you have a source, this is where the information was, and it's not that, you know, you just pulled the information out of thin air. People know where you got it. And that is so critical, more today than ever, I think because of our whole online experience. That, yes. Um, it's so much easier to get information out than it used to be. But with that, we all know that we run into stuff that just doesn't look right. And when there's no source, it's you, you kind of take it with a huge grain of salt. So uh, I like that analogy. It's the breadcrumb trail. And it definitely adds um, weight to our our work and our research so that uh, it means something to us now and certainly to others. And we can stand by it, stand behind it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Now, um, I know that in this class, you cover a lot of really specific things, but um, I'd love to have you give us a couple of specific tips that we can start using right away. Um, and, And maybe talk a little bit about just what are the basic components? What goes into a source citation? Okay, that's, those are really good things. Um, The basics. Thanks for starting there. Uh, (laughs) Because a lot of people think that, you know, when they see a source citation or they're reading a genealogical periodical, it's all of this gobbledygook down the footnotes. And, oh, my God, what does that mean? And um, Elizabeth Schoen Mills states over and over again, especially in her books, if you, you know, have evidence explained on your shelf, that source citations are more of an art than a science. And the more I do it and the more I teach people about it, the more I agree with her because it's really all about learning those basic building blocks. And then from there and that foundation, you can add to it and create custom citations. So the basics that you need, it's kind of like going back to school. I know I learned in elementary school about the five W's and how, you know, who, what, where, when, how, and why. And they're similar in genealogical research. So you need to have a who 
You need to have a what. So who's usually like who created the information, the author, the editor, the transcriber, uh, that type of thing. You know, what is normally the title of the source? Uh, when it could be like the record? When was it created? When was it published? Where in the record where the information was located, so your volume, your page, your, you know, this book, uh, that website, uh, where is, this is a really important one, where is the source physically located? Is it, what's the URL? Is it at an archive or a library? And then the how and the why are added descriptors at the end. Most of the time, it's especially when you're talking about some sort of ephemera to show a provenance for the item or where did you get it from? What is the history of that item? So, you know, if I have a written letter, I'm going to talk about how I received this letter um, from this person on this date and it was from them or if a picture or something like that. And once you have those basic blocks to build on, the rest of it is just, you know, those breadcrumb trails again. So that, that's why I like know your basics, know those little blocks. And then the second one and what I think is also one of the most important things, and hopefully this will let anybody who's nervous about uh, creating a source citation kind of get rid of that nerves, is it's important to be consistent. So if you start out with a specific style, keep it consistent through all your notes, your research, your writing. Now, typically for genealogy, we go by what's called the Chicago Manual uh, Humanities style. And this is a specific style that uh, is used in humanities fields. And genealogy would be a humanities type of field, you know, historian, those types of things. But even if you don't want to jump right into that style, let's say you've done something for years and years and years, just stay consistent and make sure that it has as much information as you can put into that citation. Once again, it's those breadcrumb trails back. And even if it's not, quote unquote, the academic way to do a source citation, people will know when they're reading your stuff and your, your stuff, you know, your, <laughs> your website or your book or your, you know, your notes that this is the way you did things. And it's not like they have to shift gears every other page because you're trying out a different style or something. Exactly. Makes it much uh, more user-friendly, easy to kind of scan through and pick out the pieces that you need at any given time. Exactly. Well, you know, one of the records that we so commonly use, and particularly for anybody who's listening who's fairly new to genealogy, they're going to be digging first and foremost probably into census records. Give us an example of a source citation for a census record. What would that sound like? Okay, so I was working on one earlier today, and it just happened to be on my computer right now. So why don't we go through this? I have a census in front of me uh, from the 1900s. And so the building blocks for this census would be the who. It would be the U.S. census. The when part would be the year taken. And so that's 1900. The what, this would be the description of the census. So this is where you would put the county, the state, that it was a population schedule, uh, where, you know, the actual district, the township, what page, the dwelling, the family number, and then most importantly, what family you're looking at on that page. That's all the what. It's the description of the Mm -hmm. census. And the next would be the where is. So because I got this off of Ancestry.com, this is where I would talk about, I would put the information for Ancestry.com. And then, of course, the date I accessed it originally. 
And then wherein, this would be the original repository. So Ancestry is citing for this the Family History Library microfilm. Um, if you had the actual uh, information from the National Archives where this was taken from, you could also put that there. So for source citations, I kind of go into this in the class a little bit, but there's three different types. So let's do what you would see at like if you're at the bottom of a page where you're saying that this person was born on this month and this year, and you got the month and the year from the 1900 census. Right. So that's called a first reference note. So this 1900 U.S. census that I'm particularly looking at right now, it would read 1900 U.S. census, New York County, New York, population schedule, borough of the Bronx, page 11A written, dwelling 170, family 198, George Bennett family. Now this is when I get into the ancestry part. Digital image, ancestry.com, and then parentheses, I have the website and the date I accessed it. And then at the end, I have citing FHL microfilm and the number. So it's a lot of words, but it doesn't look that big on the page, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so much more effective and so much better than just copying and pasting that URL because that could change. You know, images and and documents and pages are moving all the time. So we can't possibly rely on that. It really takes the whole piece. And, you know, something else that that you have in there, the day that you accessed it, and uh, I think particularly folks who are new to genealogy don't realize that some of these uh, companies like Ancestry have gone back and even rescanned certain documents that didn't come out as well the first time. Now they have more resources. They can go back and redo them. So if you got your copy in 2000, you might actually be looking at a different scan of the same census record uh, that might have been scanned in 2008. And even that could explain, oh, that's why, you know, maybe that turned out to be inaccurate or something because of the way it looked. So all of that is so critical to really understanding uh, where that information came from and, and the validity of it. Right. And especially with um, anything on the internet, that date access is important because you can go back to almost any of those websites and quickly change information, reorder things, put them on different pages. And knowing when you accessed it sometimes can help people say, oh, well, they've gone through so many versions (laughs) since (laughs) then. So yeah, it's very, very important. And it's not just an ancestry document. It actually came from a microfilm. It's leading it even further back into its own, the genealogy of that item, if you will. Um, right. So that we really know where it comes from. Wow, so great. You know, we've been really driving this home, how important this is. And, and I appreciate you giving us that, the concrete examples of what this looks like, how it sounds. doesn't sound so bad. I think we can all do this. So um, just such a critical thing. If you want to learn more about how to accurately and efficiently and consistently cite your sources, this class is terrific. It's the Source Citations for Real People. It's at Family Tree University. I'll have a link in the show notes for you. And Shannon Combs Bennett would be your instructor, and she makes it so easy. Thank you so much, Shannon, for joining us on the show. Thanks, Lisa. It was great being here today. As we wrap up this episode devoted to source citation, let's check in at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan, who's got some ideas on the topic. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. 
We've been uh, covering a lot of ground here in terms of talking about source citation and, and all the ins and outs. What do you turn to when you have to tackle this subject? Okay, so I have a confession to make, Lisa. I do not enjoy citing sources. <laughs> no, shock, horror. <laughs> I would much rather spend the time researching my ancestors than writing source citations. Yeah. However, I do recognize the importance of doing it because like every genealogist, you know, nobody starts out doing genealogy saying, okay, every single item that I found, um, I'm going to make sure that I capture a complete citation for um, each bit of information that I found. Um, no, people usually come to that realization a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, speaking realistically, for me, it's about being practical. I've wasted too much time, like probably a lot of other people, in terms of, oh, I just looked up this record and I'm excited, except I realize that I've already <laughs> looked at that record and included the information. So, you know, that it's it's frustrating to find that you're kind of wasting time. And so... That, for me, is the motivation to um, cite my sources, because that way I know that I'm going to spend more of my time doing the piece of research that I enjoy and less time spinning my wheels and redoing work that I've already done. You know, that's another great reason to do it. I don't think we've really even touched on yet in the episode. And and we've all pulled the same book off the shelf twice or that type of thing. So. I guess what you're saying is in the end, we will save time by taking the time to cite our sources. And uh, I totally agree with that. So, you know, one of the tools I know that I saw at the uh, Shop Family Tree Store was the source citation cheat sheet. And uh, I really like this because, you know, it's so true. Not everybody is trying to do, you know, publish a scholarly paper. They just want to make sure that they do a good, accurate job of citing the sources so that it pays off now and into the future. And this really kind of addresses that, doesn't it? It does. That's really the whole point of this product is we know that, you know, it it can be very intimidating or cumbersome process. And we want to try and make it so that it's a process that anybody can understand. And this is a quick reference guide. So it's nice for carrying with you to the library or whether wherever you happen to be doing your research so that you make sure that you're capturing the right information while you're there so that you can do your citations afterward. And then also just giving you a quick reference so that you can do it no matter what point you are in the research research process and that you're, again, you're spending the time on what you enjoy and not really obsessing over, did I format this exactly right? Right, exactly. And one of the elements I love of this guide is this flowchart. It's, it looks like it's on page two, and it's it says, capture the source contents is part one, and citing the source is part two. So, you know, people might be thinking, wait a second, there's six steps. Let, let's talk about those six steps, because this chart is really helpful, and I think it kind of gives us a good summary to this whole episode as far as what this whole process is about. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you can go back to that um, old saying about how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Mm-hmm. This is really breaking down the source citation process, which can seem scary to some people, into six really manageable chunks. So the first step is to make a copy of the record. So I think everybody probably does this already, but you know that's really the first step in citing a source. You have to have the record that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. 
And the second step is to transcribe the data. So that is an exercise really in making sure that you're gleaning all of the clues from the record. Sometimes you notice more things um, when you're doing that exercise, and then it's also like another um, copy of information that is the key information from the record that's important to you. It's so true. I mean, I... I talk about this on my podcast all the time, because it's amazing what will jump out at you as you're transcribing it. And it's a wonderful way to kind of get a full grasp of what you're capturing there, but also to have things kind of jump out at you that might give you a new lead. Absolutely. So the third step is filing the record. So once you've copied it and transcribed the information, you want to file it. Whatever filing system you happen to use for your genealogy information, um, and whether it's an electronic copy or a paper copy, just put that where it belongs in its right place within your filing scheme. And there again, you know, it's something that I know Diane and I talked about earlier in the show, which is, isn't the key there really consistency? You know, people mm-hmm. ask me all the time, what's the, what's the, the right way to do this? What's the perfect, um, methodology for, you know, filing my records? And I'm like, you know, the number one thing to do is be consistent. Uh, that's right. going to pay off more than anything. The whole point of having a filing system is so that you can find what you want when yeah. you want it. <laughs> and so if you're not consistent, it's really hard to find what you want and it's not really serving its purpose. So you're right. Consistency exactly. is key. So that was capture the source contents. That's part one. And then we move into part two, which is citing the source. So what's step four? Yes. So this is where you're going to actually craft a citation. And so the step four, which is the first part of this, is gathering up the source details. So you could even think of it kind of like in journalism, we talk about the who, what, where, when, why, that's Mm -hmm. what you're effectively doing. You're capturing all of the key details about the source so that you can um, have that to craft into your citation. And then we have to take all that data and format that into kind of the appropriate format. So that's step number five, correct? Step number five, formatting the citation. And so you're taking those who, what, when and where, and you're putting them into a format. Now, this is where it starts to get a little bit scholarly because there are different formats that you can use um, to do footnotes or endnotes and things like that. The, um, I guess, accepted standard in genealogy or sort of the one that most genealogists aspire to is the evidence format. But um, The first thing that will help you if you're getting started, especially, this cheat sheet includes tons and tons of sample source citations, so you Mm -hmm. can just look for one that's similar to the source that you're using and look at how that citation um, example is formatted, and you can mirror that with your own. Perfect. And then you've got another um, step in this. Step number six, which is link the source with its citation. Um, Talk a little bit about that, because this might be something that some people miss. Yeah, so what good is a citation if you don't know what fact or bit of evidence in your genealogy it associates with? Just Mm -hmm. having a citation of a census record or a um, cemetery tombstone or um, some other type of record by itself isn't super helpful. You know, gr- it's great to have a running list of all of those sources that you've used. That can be really good too when you're trying to figure out 
I'm going to the library and what do I need to look at? I've already looked at these things. That's helpful. But the key is you want to create that link back to the record. So using the census record as an example, say that you have um, used your genealogy software and you've identified that um, your information came, certain information about your great-great-grandmother came from this bit of census um, data. So that you can then take create your citation in the software and then actually attach it to that fact or that person so that you know that's exactly where it came from. Exactly. That's the key. It's, you know, we want to know where we've been, but we also want to know for each item where it's been, where it came from. And and that's what we're doing here. I, I love this flow chart. You guys are going to love it too when you see it because it, it does spell it out. And then the cheat sheet moves into, as uh, Allison said, the source citation example so that you can run down the list really quick and grab, oh, here's deed and land. Okay, this is what it should look like. <laughs> I mean, talk about making it easier. And then there are source citation tips as well as towards the end, citing sources in your genealogy software, which we talked about uh, with Diane on the article that Rick Kroom wrote. But this again, lays it out between Family Tree Maker, Legacy, and Roots Magic. And then I like this glossary too, um, Allison, because, you know, sometimes these terms, you hear them bandied about and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I think I know what that means, but maybe we don't really know what that means. This kind of helps us jump to it and uh, get the full scoop. Absolutely. That's the goal. We want to eliminate the confusion and make it easier. So like me, you can spend more of your time doing the part of genealogy that you enjoy and less of the time um, working on the paperwork side of your genealogy research. Well, wonderful. Well, that's the source citation cheat sheet in a nutshell. Uh, We'll have a link to it in the show notes. And uh, thanks for running through the six-step process. Very helpful. And I think at this point, by the end of this episode, everybody's going to be citing their sources. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you and happy citing. Thanks so much for joining me for this April 2015 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Be sure to head to familytreemagazine.com slash podcast, and there you will find the show notes webpage that'll include the links to all the websites, products, and classes that we talked about on today's episode. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website, genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems Podcast, which you can also find available in iTunes and in the App Store. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.